Welcome to Gapology Radio with your hosts, Mark Tinas and Brian Brockhoff. This is your leadership development podcast where they share unique insights with the purpose of helping leaders achieve their greatest potential. You can learn more by reading their books, Gapology, Imbar, and Speed of Purpose, or by participating in one of their workshops. All of this and more can be found on their website, gapology.org. Hey everybody, welcome to Gapology Radio. I'd like to take a moment to invite everyone to follow us on social media. Yep, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, and we're even on Pinterest if you're addicted to creating boards and pinning like me. Um, Just search for Gapology or search for Gapology Institute and you should find us. And we're also on LinkedIn. Follow our company page, Gapology Institute, and definitely connect with Mark and me on our professional pages as well. Just search for Brian Brockoff or Martinez. We would love to connect with you on your favorite platform where we can have good discussions and answer any questions that you may have. Before we get going, I'd like to let everyone know about an exciting show that we have planned for next week. I'm super excited to share that I'll be interviewing the amazing Coach Cabrina McLean. We've been trying to line this up for a very long time, and it looks like our schedules are going to finally align. She's an author of two best-selling books, and she's an executive coach, as well as a good friend of mine. Make sure to tune in for that show next week. But tonight, we're going to talk about purposeful people analytics. (laughs) I know it sounds like an exciting topic. On the show in the past, we've discussed ranking your team A, B, and C players, and we talked about playing chess, not checkers. But tonight, we're going to go after this topic from a little different perspective. So let's go ahead and start the show with Martinez. Hey, Mark, how's it going? I had a great day. You did? I know you're on the road. Uh, How was the drive? It was good. It was long, but uh, I was able to impact people's lives and learn a lot and uh, create, you know, development and see, you know, people metrics all in one day. Oh, nice. I think that'd be a good topic tonight. People metrics. You want to do that? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, let's talk about uh, how you can tie purpose in with it. I think that'd be good. Um, A little bit different. I know in the past we've talked about uh, people analytics from a ABC perspective and from playing chestnut checkers. Those were a couple episodes that we did in the past. Um, So what are your new thoughts? Well, I mean, if you you look at... um, the analytics of measuring people. Um, If you base it upon purpose, you're way ahead of the game to begin with. You can, from, from your purpose, if your organization, your team has a purpose, you can clearly define the core values of, of that purpose. Yeah. And, and those go across the whole group. Everyone must have those. And we, we, we recommend three to five. We don't want you to get crazy with how many. But what are the three to five core values that define your purpose? And once you're there, you're in a pretty safe spot. It's, it's a good starting point. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. So do you think um, those core values would be role-specific, or do you think that applies kind of across the board? I think it's across the board. Yeah, yeah. I think okay. core competencies are role specific. 
but that core values we all must have frontline all the way to the top, the same set of core values, because you can tie them directly to the purpose. We must have them and they need to be non-negotiable. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. That's interesting when you look at um, what people believe and, and how they see their role impacting what the, what the organization believes. I think those things absolutely need to be, you know, in alignment for sure. And and I do like that non-negotiable because that really makes sure that, you know, you have, you have the right people on the bus. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like we're perfect. There will be violations to the core values, but when there are violations to the core values, we call them out and we course correct mm-hmm. and, you know, it'll happen. But the the great thing about them is that if you make them non-negotiable, they're non-negotiable for the highest level of the leader. They're non-negotiable for the front line. They're non-negotiable. This is who we are. This is what we believe in. And when, when you make it that clear, it often creates an environment that people, you know, really buy into. They become engaged at a different level because of the core values of an organization. And if you haven't done this, leaders out there, if you haven't done this, you're likely missing a connection point for the team that is of great significance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, communicating that, um, certainly during the interview and upon hire, I think that's important, uh, needs to be wrapped into all the training um, all the onboarding pieces as well. And I think there's many times throughout someone's career that you have opportunities to revisit that. And certainly at the um, you know yearly appraisals and those kinds of things, of course, but, but ensuring that the team really fully understands what they are and then also agrees to them, don't you think? Yeah. I mean, it's of great significance and should be posted on the wall. Yeah. It's it's a big deal. It also can be noted in the interview process as present or not present. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when people will tell a story about their past, you will see very clearly the evidence of the core value you believe in or the total lack of it. And boy, if someone in the interview process lacks your core values... You need to question whether they are the correct hire right then. Right. Yeah. In my past, I actually built interview guides, um, several interview guides for different companies, but uh, we built it specifically for the core values. So you, you built questions that would then deliver answers that you can tie to whether or not they have those core values. Yeah. Very good idea. I mean, it's best to know during the interview process. And it's often very, very present. It's, it's there. Mm-hmm. You need to just listen and understand. So when, it, when an answer is given to an interview question, just dig in a little deeper and you know, seek, that, seek that core value. Um, is it there? Because if we're hiring somebody, they've got to have the values of the organization or they will never carry out the purpose of the organization. It, it just won't work. So better to know now 
even though the even though we have an opening, oh my God, we've got to fill it. No, we need to fill it with the right person. We need to fill it with someone that aligns with our values. Yeah, yeah. Do you think you can train core values? No. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. Yeah, I think as leaders, we can model the core values and help the entire team improve and get better. And our and we will get better too. But boy, most most of the time, the core values that are selected by an organization are not something that you know is a is a is a minor tweak. Right. Um, I mean, th- think of think of what they generally are: uh, integrity, respect. You know, just to name a couple. Right. If those aren't present in the interview process, why go forward? You are not going to overcome integrity and respect through a training process doesn't happen yeah i've always heard the phrase higher values and then train competencies well you need to make a t-shirt out of that <laughs> okay that's great that'll be the next Write that one down. <laughs> all right higher values. okay i got it <laughs> you probably heard that from me i probably said it i'm sure yeah absolutely that- that's excellent, though. I, I don't. I doubt that I originated that. That's good. So, as far as building a method to measure behavioral performance, um, you know, I think using this, you know, these two pieces—the values and the competencies—I think both those things really need to be in there, right? I mean, really building yeah. a measurement of some sort, and and you know, we all do it yearly, but I think there's a way that you can monitor it throughout the year, right? Yeah. And and they're quite different. So core competencies need to be measured and or defined by position and or by level. And again, if you choose the three to five core competencies, which would be skills that are required by a given position or a given level to equal the purpose, it becomes pretty significant. And they're totally different than the core values. It's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. These are the core competencies are the things that you need to have to succeed in the role. They are equal to the behaviors that deliver the purpose. Write that down, leaders, Mm -hmm. if you miss that. It may sound simple, it's not. The core competencies are equal to the behaviors. They deliver the behaviors that are equal to the purpose. So they're critical to the organization and they, they bring it to life. So when you find a group of people that have the core competencies that deliver the behaviors that equal the purpose, wow. We win big. The purpose comes to life. And that's all in the background of the core values, something mm-hmm. totally separate. So, so view it as skills. As you're describing that, I'm, I'm, my mind started going toward the commitment ladder. So we talk about that a lot. So someone who has the, the skills and you know, the competencies, 
but also have the values and they're connected with your purpose, I think they're going to sit much higher on that commitment ladder, don't you think? Yeah. And generally they'll, you know, be in that genuinely compliant level, which is a, a great level because that means that they fully align with the purpose and they deliver that, you know, every day that really matters. The other, the other great thing about the core competencies is you can create an interview guide that allows you to interview with key questions that uncover those core competencies. Uh, certainly you can uh, do the same with the values, the core values, but by position, by level, you need to alter and design the interview guide so that the core competencies for that given role, for that given level come to life. And it's all right there. It's, and, and it's fairly simple. And you should narrow it to the best question, ideally a single question for each of the core competencies. And then you do a follow-up scenario from their answer. But it really allows you, even in the interview process, whether it's for promotion or to join the team, it allows you to fully understand, you know, that, that individual and whether they're a fit and whether they will excel in the role. Yeah. I, I wonder if companies sometimes overlook this stuff. I've worked with a lot of leaders over the years who show up at interviews or even at like the yearly appraisals with no preparation. So no notes, no, uh, no pre-review of a person's resume um, before they sit down in a room. And I think preparing ahead of time is critical. And you can really do that using your job description and, and those kinds of things, any written expectations that you have. But taking that and building out competencies that or building out the, the tracking for the competencies, I think gives you a much stronger clue into their overall potential or results. Yeah. So one of the things you got to do leaders would be to define the metrics that equal the core competencies that equal the purpose. So what are the metrics that measure that? So you have to be clear on that. And then if you build your inter your annual review process around that, it becomes, it becomes pretty clear, but as it relates to the core values and the core competencies, there's no reason that you shouldn't be totally transparent. Here's what we're looking for from a value standpoint. Here's what we're looking for in your position from a competency standpoint. Be transparent around that. Lay it out for them because they then can work towards that if they're not there. And then when they're measured, they're measured against that. And it's a total game changer. And again, remember, all of this aligns with the purpose. So you are delivering your purpose by doing this, and it is a total game changer. You, you have to connect with what behaviors equal the purpose. Once you do that, the metrics become clear, and the core competencies become clear, and the core values probably already were clear as you, as you define the purpose. So it, it all comes together uh, into one. Yeah. Yeah, I think oftentimes leaders will coach the results and not the behaviors. 
right? So the, the, so the results are the evidence of the behaviors. And in Gapology, we talk about when you're setting clear expectations, you need to set both. So what are the results that you're expecting and what are the behaviors that you're expecting to be exhibited to produce those results? So when you're coaching, reflect on the results, but then take a step back and look at the behaviors and coach those behaviors. So you're bringing up a huge point here. So most organizations are good at defining the metrics that they need. Mm -hmm. They are not good at defining the behaviors that equal those metrics. Yep, exactly. And that needs to be done by level, by role. So we need to deliver this metric. What does that mean for this person? What does that mean for this person, this level? What does that mean for this person, this level? So everyone may have a different behavioral uh, expectation to achieve that metric. Mm-hmm. Once that all ties together, boom. Yep. That should be a t-shirt. Boom. <laughs> we have a lot of t-shirts. Um, Gap- Gapology, boom. Yep. Exactly. So I've got one other, uh, other thought. I'm wondering what you think about potential. So a lot of times we have a you know method to measure performance what do you think about stepping back and looking at the potential of the team member and coaching to the potential? I think that that is absolutely critical. Um, we use um, and have advocated the use of a nine box to determine the potential. Um, we should probably do a podcast on nine box to bring the group up to date. I'm finding a number of organizations not using it. It it really does allow leaders to define the potential of each person on the team and through that define the expectations that they have for their behavior as it relates to that individual. One through nine box, you treat the one box different than the nine box. So it's a leadership uh, measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's let's get into that uh, okay. when, when we can. Yeah, I'll the, add it to uh, the list. The one thing that I wanted to tell a little bit of a story here, if I can. Sure. So when you look at purposeful people analytics, Gallup as an organization, um, some people don't know this, but they've really built the organization around that. Uh, Most people think of Gallup as a polling organization. Well, their, their number one polling is of employees and their engagement level to their organization. And Gallup has determined that as engagement goes up, so does performance. And I wanted the group, if it's okay, Brian, I wanted to walk them through the Gallup 12. Sure. So these would be the most significant measures of you as a leader in terms of driving engagement within your team. Gallup has determined that the higher the engagement, the higher the performance of the team. So you as a leader play a critical role in this. So there's 12 keys and it's, I call it the Gallup 12. And these really do matter. I carry them with me and I try and work on them every day. So these are in rank order from tens of thousands of surveys in terms of what impacted 
the engagement of the team. So number 12 is this last year, I had the opportunity to learn and grow. That's number 12. So as a leader, we need to ensure that everybody on our team would answer that yes. I had the opportunity to learn and to grow. We own that. Number 11, in the last six months, someone at work has talked to me about my performance. That's a reasonable expectation. And that shows that I matter. Mm -hmm. Leaders make sure that happens. Number 10, I have a best friend at work. This one's interesting. I wouldn't have thought it would have been on here. But if you can create an environment where people socialize and people make friends, and it may be difficult in a Zoom world, figure it out. Uh, It creates a connection where people are more engaged. Higher engagement, higher productivity, higher performance. Number nine, my associates or fellow employees are committed to doing quality work. This is a big deal. If you hire a bunch of people that don't give a damn, the rest of the team doesn't give a damn. You need to hire great people. When you hire great people, everything changes. Be very careful about who you hire. Number eight, the mission or purpose of my company makes me feel my job is important. This is huge. I'm surprised it's not number one. I'm disappointed that it's number eight, but it's a big deal. Have a purpose. Make sure that the team understands that what they do matters. That's, that's number eight. Number seven, at work, my opinion seems to count. When somebody speaks up, they may not be the most articulate. They may not have the greatest voice, but they may have the greatest point. Listen, make opinions count. Thank people for stepping up. For them, stepping up in a given meeting or something may be a big deal. Celebrate that. We need that. We need the opinion of others. Number six, there is someone at work who encourages my development. Big. Big. So someone at that organization wants to develop. We need someone who encourages that development. Number five, my supervisor or someone at work seems to care about me as a person. Don't forget that. It can get lost. It can get lost in the Zoom world very quickly. Care about them as a person. We did a podcast on that. Brian uh, uh, brought that to us. It was, it was of great significance. So make sure your team knows you care about them you know, as, as individuals. Number four, we're getting to the big stuff. Number four. This one's, we're missing on this one in most organizations. Number four, in the last seven days, I have received recognition or praise for doing good work. Easy to miss this in the Zoom world. Easy to miss this today. Easy to pass over this and think it's not important. It matters. They work for you because they feel they're significant, make them feel significant. That's number four. We're down to the top three. 
at number three, at work, I have the opportunity to do what I do best every day. So as a leader, you've got to make sure everybody is in the right seat on the bus. That's your job. Make sure that they are in the correct position for their core competencies. And that one comes to life. Number two, this one's crazy for number two, but it's here. I have the materials and equipment I need to do my job right. Make sure they're equipped to do their job. Ask what else they need. And number one, and this one should be number one. It's the basis for gapology. Number one is I know what is expected of me at work. The expectations are clear. The metrics have been defined. The behaviors are laid out. That's number one. So those, that's the Gallup 12. And uh, we believe in these. Uh, we've used them. They're incredibly uh, successful. And they bring people analytics all together. Thoughts, Brian? Yeah, yeah, Mark. Um, I, I'm glad I, that you went through all those. Um, and I was just absorbing it as you're going through because it really seems to be so connected to everything that we talk about uh, in our in our books, in our classes, in our podcasts. It, all this stuff that really is ties together. Um, number five, uh, we talked about last week when we were talking about empathetic leadership. You know, my supervisor or someone at work seems to care about me as a person. You know, that's that's empathy right there. And I think the the number one, I know what's expected of me at work. That's tonight. I mean, that's that's purposeful people analytics. You can't have good, solid analytics that have a purpose if your team doesn't know what's expected of them. And that also creates that connection to the purpose if they know what those expectations are. All these things really are intertwined and that one really connects with tonight. Um, it's really our, our competencies, our values, our purpose, um, having all that built into what's expected. I think that's critical. Well said. Wow. Well, you got me fired up for that. You're on fire. <laughs> yeah, you're the one who got me pumped up for it. I, I, I love this. I think you know this really sits at the heart of so much that we teach. Um, I love it. I carry the Gallup 12 with me. Uh, as you know, in a prior organization, I was given the opportunity to go to Gallup University and be the representative of the organization and come back and bring that to everyone. And uh, I believe in it. I saw it create engagement. I saw us as number three in an industry totally devastate number two. Mm -hmm. because our engagement level was higher. We knew what to do. So, yeah, absolutely. This is great, Mark. I think uh, all this stuff really connects together. And, uh, you know, I hope people get a lot out of this one this week. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Great work. Okay, yeah, I think this is good. I will uh, talk to you later. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. Okay, that'll do it from here. Remember to mark on your calendar for next Tuesday. That'll be our interview with Coach Cabrina McLean. We're really excited for that show. And for any other information regarding Gapology, Imbar, or Speed of Purpose, head on over to our website, gapology.org. Everyone have a fantastic week. We'll talk to you soon. This has been a Gapology production. Visit us at gapology.org.